Lord, the psalmist reminded us of your goodness. And we know that as we read the psalms, that things weren't always great for your people as a nation or even as individuals. And yet somehow, the psalmist always turns in that moment to praise you, to extol your name, to speak of all that you have done. And so we recognize that even our prayers sometimes, Lords, are, are, our prayers are huge acts of faith. Because when we look at our situation or the situation of those we pray for, we, we're concerned, we're worried, we, we wonder what might happen because things are difficult, seem impossible. But thank you, Lord, that our prayers are not about our situation, but our prayers are about you, who you're still God, you're still good. You're always just, you're always righteous. You bless, you heal, you strengthen, you challenge us. But you are good. And so as we pray for ourselves and we pray for others, Lord, remind us of that. That we're able to extol your goodness even in the midst of our difficulties. And so this morning, Lord, we pray for those who are maybe far from here today, not able to get to church today, some in other countries, some that we hold in our hearts and are standing for because we, we pray for them. And we pray, Lord, that you would reach out and touch those who are far away from us, who can't be here, who need your touch. We pray for that child or that parent who is struggling because of the distance between us. For that family member who's lost their way a little. Pray for that person who, whom we hold in our hearts who's struggling with loss or sorrow. Pray for those who struggle with health. We pray for Jackie, one of our staff here having an op this week. And we pray for little Mackenzie Fisser, five years old, having chemotherapy for cancer. For Heather, Tia, for Lauren, Ian, and Ruth. Jonathan, and many others who are struggling, Lord, would you, would you reach out and touch them? And those we, we bring before you, even in the silence of our hearts. And then, Lord, we pray for ourselves. Lord, you know why we're standing or why we can't even stand. You know what we're struggling with, what lies ahead of us, what seems to be looming up behind us. Look. 
You know those prayers that we cry out to you in the middle of the night or early in the morning. And Lord, as we stand before you, we simply affirm our faith in you and our trust of you. As we prayed earlier, Lord, would you give us our daily bread, that which we need, And may what you give us and how you bless us and how you strengthen us and how you enable us bring glory to your name. May we cling to you. May we hold on to you in the midst of the difficulties because you are good and you are God and we trust you. Jesus, you remind us that God is our Father, Abba. And like a small child, Lord, we cling to you, Father God. Make a difference. Help us. And we thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that we have received and seen in our community. We thank you for Sunay and her healing for Renee as well. We thank you for yesterday's men's breakfast for that which you are doing in our congregation, in our community, in the lives of people, that which you are doing in our own lives. But we pray for our community here at MMC that you would use us to make a difference in the world around us. Help us not just to be focused on ourselves, but on what you want us to do in your world. And Lord, as we think of your world and particularly our own country, Lord, we, we pray, pray a very simple prayer. Would you bless those who are doing what is right? Would you give their words success? May their words and their actions be light in dark places. Would you protect those who speak truth in the face of adversity? Would you keep them safe? Would you send your angels to God over them? And may we be those who speak truth and live right making a difference, bringing light to wherever we are. And Lord, we know and we believe and we sense that there are those who are in leadership in our nation who are doing that which is evil and wrong, and so we simply commit them to you. You deal with them. For you are a good and righteous and just God. You deal with them. We trust you for you are good to make a difference in our land, turn the hearts of this nation towards you. And may we, in all we do and say, in however we live every day, may our actions and our words bring light and truth and blessing into your world. For we ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so for, for those who might not have been with us over the last few weeks, um, we have that slide up, please, Simon. So, one before that. Yeah, you may be wondering, have we got stuck in Christmas? Because all we see is those wise men on a, on, no, back one.
Back one. That one. Always sees these wise men. Oh, is it jumping automatically? Okay, I wonder why it's doing that. So all we're seeing is these wise men heading for for Jerusalem, for, for Bethlehem. So have we got stuck on Christmas? No, we're in the season called Epiphany, which is, ah, as Alex reminded us first week of the year, that's who Jesus is. And if that's who Jesus is, I have a responsibility to respond in some way to him. So um, at yesterday's men's breakfast, um, we kind of kept being reminded of God's call in our lives. It was interesting that uh, that theme seemed to be going through. But one of the things that the speaker said is is that um, you know you know there are sometimes when uh, when 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 those who, cl- who are close to us will remind us that that sometimes things are happening to us because of things that we're doing, and sometimes they're happening because of things we're not doing, and it's often the wives who like, mm. you see, he's talking about you today. But the reality is that, is that sometimes those who are close to us point out things to us that we already know about ourselves. Sometimes they, they kind of just put their finger on the things that we're very aware of in our lives. And there are times that, that sometimes God uses people around us to remind us of things or to point out things that we need to become aware of. And as I kind of read the message or the passages for today, I realized that, that the reality is that in, our, in all of our lives, there are some things that need to out because there are things that need to out because of things they do to us. There are some things in our lives that need to out because of what they do to others. And there are sometimes things in our lives that need to out because of what they do to us and what they do to others. You may be very aware of some things in your life that you would love to get rid of, that you would love not to be part of your life anymore. That might be obvious to you. There are some things in our lives that are very obvious to others. And sometimes we only become aware of them when we have this moment where whew, we realize we have this epiphany. Ah, that's going on in my life. Or someone comes to us and says, that's happening, you need to be aware. I think one of the other th- reasons that sometimes things like that take so long to, for us to be aware of is that we don't take time to be quiet to be still, to listen to that inner voice. We're, we're so busy. And then, and then we make ourselves even less able to hear because of that thing we hold in our hands and stare at and fiddle with all day, our phones. Sometimes it's music in our ears, sometimes it's TV, but there's never quiet. There's no space for reflection. And sometimes we don't want to reflect because we, we know that when we do that, we'll become aware of stuff going on in our lives. So we fill our lives with noise and busyness. Now, sometimes when we're confronted with things like that in our lives that we know or discover or, do, or people help us kind of find them, there are things that need to out. We, 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 f- we find it very difficult to deal with them because we don't have a circle around us that helps us to do that. 
one of the reasons that we're encouraging people to get into life groups is that you create a, a circle where there are people who love you and who care for you, who will pray for you, you will encourage you, will walk the journey with you. But we often think we, need, we can do all of our lives on our own. I can do it my own self, as our daughters used to say when they were little. So let me ask you two questions as we get into the scripture reading for today. What needs to out of your life? And as we read the Mark Gospel, Mark readings particularly, listen, what needs to out? And also, what needs to stop as we read the 1 Corinthians reading? What needs to out? What needs to stop? So let's go to uh, Mark chapter 1. Um, and if you've been... He began his ministry and he moved from Nazareth down to the Sea of Galilee to a place called Capernaum. Verse 21, Jesus and those with him went to Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went to the synagogue and he began to teach. People were amazed at his teaching. And that's because he taught them like one who had authority. He did not talk like the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue cried out. He was controlled by an evil spirit. He said, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus firmly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man wildly. It came out of, then it came out of him with a scream. All the people were amazed, so they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with so much authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about Jesus spread quickly all over Galilee. What needs to out? Now in Jesus' time, what needs to out was a much simpler question than it is today. It was obvious in people's lives because everybody lived in community and everybody was part of, pretty much in the Jewish community, part of the faith community. It was pretty obvious when someone was doing something that was not God's will, that was not from God, and even those who were Israelites, part of the believing community, there were those who were doing things that were wrong, but it was pretty obvious. It was also obvious when there were those people who struggled, just was this never-ending one. People would try everything, medicine as it was in those days, Family interventions, priestly interventions, call the priest, call the prophet. But often there were some people who were those who, who just ended up back in the same place again and again. In fact, it would seem to those looking from the outside that these people were possessed by the things that tormented them. The Bible refers to this as being tormented or possessed by evil spirits. And so the way to deal with people was to cast out the evil spirits. And that was the domain of the priest or the prophet. Because those things all had their root in spiritual, not medical. So Jesus bursts onto the scene. And he highlights 
another important thing when it comes to what God is able to do in people's lives when he brings freedom. Jesus teaches that, that there is total freedom, not only because Jesus casts this thing, this evil thing, this wrong thing, this bad thing out, but because he breaks the power, the power of it to hold on to people's lives. He breaks that power. The lasting hold that these things to seem to have over those who keep on struggling is broken. And so as Jesus begins his ministry in Capernaum, um, there's a man who's possessed by, by, by an evil spirit who, who starts to shout out, Have you come to destroy us, O Holy One of Israel? And Jesus deals with it, as Jesus does throughout his ministry. And you, for, you know, for three and a half years, you see him consistently dealing with that which binds people, holds people captive, the evil that sits in their hearts that no one is able to deal with. By the way, it's interesting that Jesus tells the spirit to keep quiet. And, and people kind of say, you know, was the spirit lying when he says, you know, um, have you come to destroy us, first of all, and secondly, Holy One of Israel? And one of the reasons that we, we see Jesus often says to, to people around him, be quiet, was that he didn't want people just to follow him because of the miracles or because he cast out demons or he healed the sick or he raised the dead. He wanted them to follow him because he wanted them to trust God and to trust him. And so often when, when he'd heal people, he said, don't tell anybody. Just keep it to yourself. This is a you and God thing. And so again, he says to the evil spirit, be quiet. And he costs come out of him. Out, out. And the spirit leaves the man. And the people in Capernaum are like, what? This guy who's just come from Nazareth, I mean, he's not a priest, but he's obviously a prophet. And they discover there, there are aha moment in, in that worshiping community on that Sabbath day was Jesus is the Holy One of God. And he has authority over things that are wrong or evil in our lives. They discover that it's their moment. So what needs to out in your life? The second reading from 1 Corinthians, we're asking the question, what needs to stop in our lives? Now, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 8, I want to deal with food sacrifice to statues of, of gods. We know that we all have knowledge, but the knowledge makes people proud while love, build, while love builds them up. Those who think they know something, um, those who think they know something still don't know as they should. But whoever loves God is known by God. So then, here's what I say about eating food sacrificed to statues of gods. We know that a God made by human hands is really nothing at all in the world. We know that there is only one God. There may be so-called gods, either in heaven or on earth, but in fact there are many gods and many lords. But for us... There is only one God, and he is Father. All things came from him, and we live for him. And there is only one Lord, he is Jesus Christ. All things came because of him, and we live because of him. But not everyone knows this. Some people still think that statues of gods are real gods. They might food sacrifice to statues of gods. When they do, they think 
that all, all of it is food sacrificed to real gods. And because those people who have a weak sense of what is right or wrong, they feel guilty. But food doesn't bring us close to God. We are no worse if we don't eat. We are no better if we do eat. So be careful how you use your rights. Be sure that you don't cause someone weaker than you to fall into sin. Suppose with all your knowledge, suppose you with all your knowledge are eating in a temple of one of those gods and suppose someone who has a weak sense of what is right and wrong sees you, won't that person become bold and eat what is sacrificed to statues of God? If so, then your knowledge destroys that weak brother or sister for whom Christ died. Suppose you sin against them in this way, then you harm their weak sense of what is right and wrong. By doing this, you sin against Christ. So suppose I eat what causes my brother or sister to fall into sin. Then what should I do? I will never eat meat again. And that way, I will not cause them to fall. That doesn't say we must become vegan. Just say. Just say. Okay. So, so the scenario is this. The, the early church in Corinth was living in a community where there were lots of different gods or beliefs. And so Christians were going to the homes of those who were not Christians and sharing meals together. And at the beginning of the meal, the owner of the house or the father of a house would bless the food in the name of a God. And so people would then be kind of eating food sacrificed or dedicated to other gods. And, and the church was struggling because there were those who were trying to break with the past, break with the connection with those gods. There were those who were kind of, is this right? Is this wrong? And so Paul says, you know, as we grow in our faith, as we mature in our faith, there are, there are some things that are pretty obvious to us. We, we know that, that a statue is not, not a real God. It's a thing. And, and as Christians, we believe there's only one God, Yahweh. We trust him, we follow him, we believe in him, and we believe in his son, Jesus Christ, who taught us that Yahweh is our father. And so for us, it's not an issue to eat in the home of someone who's prayed over it because it means nothing. We know who the one true God is. But he says there are others who are struggling, who really find it a struggle, who are growing in their faith. They knew in their faith. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to deal with it. Um, they're trying to break with their past. And so when they see us eating, either in the festivals of those who are not Christian because we're friends with them, or in their homes because we're trying to befriend them and bring them to Christ, people are like, oh, so is Yahweh truly God? And so Paul says, the best thing I can do in that situation is actually not to eat. Not because I think there's something wrong with it, but because I need to stop for the sake of someone else. Not so much for me, but for someone else. Because Christ has set me free, but others are still struggling. So I will stop for the sake of them. What are the things in your life that need to stop? Not so much for you, but for the sake of others. Your children, your parents, your friends, your spouse. Remember earlier I said there are, there are some things that need to out because of what they do to me. 
There are some things that need to out because of what they do to others. And there are some things that need to out and stop simply because of what they do to me and what they do to others. So as you ask this question, or these two questions, what in me needs to out? And what in me needs to stop? My prayer is that, is that we will discover that Jesus is the one who gives us the courage and the power and the strength to stop, not, for much, not so much for our sakes, but for others, or he is the one who comes and says to those things that are in our lives, out. That little graphic we have is, uh, the, the picture is depicting Jesus in the movie series, The Chosen. And, and I haven't been able to watch it. I'm dying to watch it. Well, maybe that's the wrong word. I'm really looking forward to watching it. But it's, it, it's from a scene where Jesus is dealing with an evil spirit. It simply says, out of him. Out of It's very interesting that when, um, when Jesus is in the synagogue in Capernaum, the evil spirits say, you're going to destroy us. Because the reality is that the things that are in us, that hold on to us, that kind of keep bringing us in the circle of, of we try and stop, but we do them, and we, we try and stop, and we do them, and we try and stop, and we do them. And, and the only way to kind of deal with those things in our life is to let Jesus deal with them, because we obviously can't. We're just going in the circle that repeats itself over and over again. And those things don't want to out of our lives. They just don't. So in Jesus' case, they're saying, you know, you're going to destroy us. We know who you are, but you're going to destroy us. You're going to get rid of us. You see, if, if Jesus is near us or we are near to Jesus, then the things that are not, in a, not from God that are in us, the things that we say, the things that we do, those habits that we have, actions, words, they will rebel and say, leave us alone. There are some people who speak of having disease when they come into church. Now, disease, dis-ease, and we put it like that. They come into church and they sit down and, and, and they struggle to worship. They struggle to listen. There's a sense of dis-ease within them because there are things within them that may not be of God and, and they know that God is saying, Jesus is saying, ah. Oh, It's, it's, it's not that they want, don't want to be free from them. It's, it's just very difficult. Because for so long, so long they've given free reign to those things in their lives. That's why it's difficult to deal with addictions. Drugs, porn, alcohol, people, bad relationships, money, power. Very difficult because if we give them power in our lives long enough, they become part of us. But Jesus simply comes and says, out. What in your life would Jesus say out to today? Now, if I was preaching this to, to those who currently meet and work in one of two locations here in Pretoria, there on the Yale Union Buildings or in Cape Town, um, 
if I were to be preaching my, this message to them, um, I might be tempted to say out. But what would Jesus say out to in the lives of our leaders? A couple of weeks ago, a whole lot of politicians in Pumalanga kind of went and visited churches. I wonder, how, wonder what I might say if they came to our church today. What needs to out? Greed, dishonesty, power. And it's easy sometimes to speak to others, hey, but what does God say to us? What needs to out? Jesus reminds us that he is the one who is able to out those things. In the name of Jesus, out. He's able to break their power. And then what in our lives needs to stop? What do we need to stop doing? Not because they're terrible or awful, but because they just get in the way of what others experience or try to experience of God. What needs to stop? Yesterday we were reminded at the men's breakfast of the incredible and important legacy that fathers and grandfathers leave their children. What needs to stop in order that your legacy for your children and your grandchildren may be a big one, an important one? For me, alcohol is my example. Um, my, my late father was an alcoholic, and so we kind of struggled with, with his struggles. And so as a young person, um, I was kind of very careful around alcohol. But also because I'm a minister, I will, at weddings or secular events, maybe have a sip of, of champagne and that's all. Never more. Often I will just use the grape juice or water that is there to make a toast. And initially it was because alcohol was, was something I was concerned about in terms of my family. But at 62, I'm likely to become addicted to alcohol now. I'm not likely, unlikely. Freudian slip. I'm unlikely. It can happen, but it's unlikely. And so I don't, because I don't want people seeing me kind of going for it with abandon and then using that as something that gets in the way of their relationship with God. So I don't, not for my sake, but for theirs. What needs to stop in your life for the sake of others? Something you say, the way you say it, something you do, in your family or your workplace, what needs to stop? You see, Jesus comes to break the power of those things in our lives that are not of him. So we're reminded, reminded of a God who loves us, reminded of Jesus who, who sees the things we struggle with and will say to them, out, if we allow him to. The one who breaks the power of those things so that they no longer have power or authority or rule over us. He's also the one who helps us to stop doing the things that we may be doing that are hurting others so that they can be close to Christ.